From Alaska Teen Media Institute, this is Podcast in Place, Youth Stories from Quarantine, a series about youth in Alaska during the COVID-19 pandemic. We're bringing you stories, interviews, and audio diaries from teenagers and young adults stuck at home with nothing better to do. I'm Atme producer Ryan Danigal, recording this from my home studio since the Atme studio is closed for the time being. It's the holiday shopping season, and in normal years, that would mean retail stores would be making some of their biggest profits. But as we all know, this isn't a normal year. On December 1st, in an effort to slow the record-breaking rise in COVID cases, Anchorage's acting mayor enacted a citywide emergency ordinance with new restrictions on public gatherings. In this episode, we're going to hear from Ed Dodd, owner of the local toy store Classic Toys. He and his wife purchased the business in 1998 from its original owner. APNE senior producer Daisy Carter spoke with Ed to talk about how the pandemic has affected his business, how this holiday shopping season will be different, and the lasting support Anchorage residents have shown Classic Toys. They spoke over Zoom on December 8th, 2020. Can you tell me a little bit about what you do here and how long you've been in business? The store itself was started in 1985 at the same location, so it's been there for 35 years. It originated as a store that was purely all wooden toys. There were were not going to be any plastic toys in the store. It was based on a concept of the two sisters, Joe and Jana, um, had started the business in 85 after a return trip from Germany, and they thought that an all wood uh, business was going to be a great concept. And it took them about six months to realize that there wasn't anybody wanting to buy just wooden toys. And so they introduced plastic and the business took off from there. I was operating service stations with my father after I got out of college in 1985. And um, after 12 and a half, 13 years of that, I decided it was not for me anymore. I didn't like the lifestyle. And this business came to me via a friend who was a business broker. And so it took us a few months of negotiations and we started operating Classic Toys on January 15th of 1998. Can you tell us about a typical work day in a toy shop for you now? There's just a lot more moving parts with COVID because we've introduced the um, web component, which we've always had a website, but it's been very underutilized. And it really was more of just a badge that said we're a legit business. We have a website. We had a virtual tour and the rest of it. But we would literally get 40 orders a year. And largely it's because we don't ship out of state. And so people aren't purchasing it. And if we do ship out of state, it's extraordinarily expensive relative to what they pay if they can buy it locally within their own community. So there's a lot of changes that have taken place that have made it a very difficult year. There's a profound lack of revenue. We're still doing better than say people in the restaurant business. In January, typically my wife and I go on buying trips in January, March. This year in March, we were Carrie and I were inducted into the Toy Hall of Fame and we were supposed to take our um, our speech with us in March to go to Las Vegas for our induction into the Toy Hall of Fame, but that all got canceled because of COVID. Most of the people still went, but that was that tenuous period where people weren't sure how that virus is going to impact them. Carrie has asthma. So we decided we were gonna sit it out. So we're we're now scheduled for induction next year um, if we go in March to Las Vegas again. On the day-to-day operation, well, day to day for Carrie and I is, is that we work like say from home, my office is downstairs, her office is upstairs. And for the most part, I'm the process guy. I deal with the flow of product, the workflow of product coming through our freight forwarder in Washington for the most part. I deal with logistics of all of the challenges and problems that um, lost freight, 
miss picks, things like that. Um, I, I do all the IT work, so I manage the computer system. Uh, I do all the accounting, payroll, things like that. Um, I pretty much wear all of those hats. Carrie is the product person, so she does all the buying. She has to do all the research. It's a curated selection. It's not something that's just a boilerplate selection of toys. We pick what we want and we introduce clothing and we'll, you know, I tell people we'll sell milk if enough people ask for it. And then there's the people side of things, which has been the most impacted by COVID because we've had a really great strategy of um, only hiring people that want to work at Classic Toys. And we do that by putting a little sign on our front counter. And as they say, good businesses recruit when they don't need the help. So we're, we're constantly recruiting, we're grooming our customers to see if they're interested in working for us. And when you get somebody that comes into your store and says, well, this would be such a fun place to work. You, you bite on that and you, we have a little piece of paper up front that says, if you're not looking for a job, we might have one for you. We've always recruited and tried to hire people that aren't looking for a job. They're people who want to work at Classic Toys. And that's a pretty important distinction because I don't want somebody looking over their shoulder saying, I'm wanting to climb a ladder and make more money. I really just want to find somebody that's probably a retiree, almost always a school teacher, um, usually a uh, mom that's kids have gone off to college and empty nest type of a thing. Um, already had a career, maybe she's retired as a lawyer, or worked um, in a law office or something, or worked at the school district. They've retired at 55 or 60. So we lost seven employees that were 65 or older because of their legitimate concern for being in a workplace where there's people coming in that are certainly, we're probably swimming, it, swimming in a sea of COVID if you're out in the public and, and a children's toy store is not immune to that. So that was the biggest impact is, is all of our long-term sales staff that have been there anywhere between 23 to 16 years um, are sitting this one out. So we've had to recruit and it's not easy to rehire an entire staff. Currently we have, I just wrote 14 paychecks yesterday and those are mostly all new people um, working for us this year. And like I say, it's sort of like owning a lumber mill. You take the, you, you suddenly hire a bunch of new lumberjacks they might be able to handle, uh, take the chainsaw, but they don't even know how to start it, right? And so they're out there hacking away on a tree and they realize that they haven't even started it and it makes the job difficult because the tool is there. All of the former employees knew how to use the tool, but now I have to train them all how to use the tool. And there's currently with the addition of our website, there are a lot of moving pieces and parts. The fact that we do gift wrap for people that don't want to come into the store and they leave a sea of gifts with us and the expectation that every single order is going to be handled to perfection all the way down to getting the right name on the right gift that we went out and actually handpicked because their web order said go get a pinky ball and a zoom zoom flyer there's 10,000 items in our store and our staff has to go out and find every one of those it's like a cruel game of lotto the children's concentration game you have to remember where that last piece of the Dejeco fairy art sticker book is and hope that it's not in somebody's basket because someone online ordered it. There's the challenges, um, just some of them. Can you take us back to the early days of the pandemic? When did you first realize that this was going to affect our daily lives and how classic toys would operate? I, I, it's funny because I started thinking about that to myself yesterday and I was trying to review when I, when I actually heard about, um, you know, a virus in China and things like that. And it was probably in January when we were in Seattle, um, there was conversation about it. And when we were getting on planes to, to, we actually went to Las Vegas in January as well. And there were um, plane loads of people getting on with masks. And it was evident then that uh, people were taking precautions and, you know, what do they know that I don't know kind of a thing. So obviously then in March, I don't remember when the official hunker down took place in Anchorage, but at that point, 
we quickly shifted gears and knew that um, if we were closing our store, our, our business is driven by presence. Our, our business is driven by relationships and people um, know and trust the brand. And they, um, you know, if you do a really good job, I think in running a business, people transition quietly from being a customer to being a partner. And when, when a person becomes quietly a partner, they don't carry that label, but what their, their actions indicate that they're a partner because they go out and they advocate for you. And they're really careful to tell you with constructive, constructive criticism if they come into your store and they see something that isn't typical of their experience in the past. And they say, boy, you know, th that area over there is really worn out. That's a benefit to an owner. And that is the sort of the partnership. And I, I have those partnerships in my own mind with Alaska Airlines. I do it with Costco. Um, if I see somebody within Alaska Airlines that's not adding value to the brand, I point it out and I don't do that. And I don't do it because I'm picky. I do it because I think I want that brand to continue to have value. I want to add value to it so that they add value to me. And it's a partnership. And if you're good enough at it, I think that you start to earn those partnerships um, and I, I think that's sort of where we are. When we bought the store for the first three years, I chose not to change the business cards of Jana because I didn't want anyone to know that there were new owners. I thought that the store was fundamentally owned by and driven by the decisions and uh, the interests of the consumer, the customer, the partner. And so we quietly just took um, ownership of that. So anyways, I, I, I sort of went off on a tangent there, but your question was, about the um, pandemic and, and what did we do? Their very first step was is to immediately start building out our website and increasing the selection. We only had about 400 items um, represented on our website of the probably seven or 8,000 items that are currently, when I say items, it's not just in, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, it's individual unique SKUs. Right now we have about 5,500 individual unique SKUs represented on our website. And that's the majority. We just haven't done much with the clothing because clothing is hard to buy online. And so it doesn't make sense for us to go after it. They're all color sizes and styles. It's hard to deal with that matrix when you get into a website. And so things that come in variations and colors, we don't put on there. Anyways, I, I think that that's probably the biggest change. We're working with our landlord property manager. They're going to install a, a drive-through window on the back of the store because there are so many people that have always wanted to be able to do that. It's always been my concept. The name of our website is toydango.com. It's a, it's a play on Fandango, the movie site where you order your tickets online, print your own tickets and bypass the, the booth. The same concept was true when I formulated toydango.com. I wanted people to be able to come on, typically on, a, on any given Saturday when we're non-COVID, there's a ton of birthday parties and everyone is always late for the birthday party. And they come in with two kids that both go in two different directions. And the mom or the dad says, we're not here for you. We're here to pick up toys for Billy. What does he like? And they say, he likes Legos. No, you like Lego. What does Billy like? And so there's this element of frustration for parents on a Saturday at two o'clock when they were supposed to be at the party at two. So we had the concept of Toydango where they would just place the order and we could bring it out to their car. They would just run in and grab what they purchased off of our website. It's already wrapped. The option is there. It's really convenient. It's almost like fast food. We've now expanded on that and forced the issue with the landlord and said, if you want us to continue in business, we do need a drive-through window on the back of this. It's not your traditional window. It's going to be effectively a door within a door with an opener on it. And they pull up and call and say, I'm Bill Jones and I'm at the back door and I'm here to pick up my two bags of wrapped gifts. Um, that saves us from having to go out into the weather. It saves us from putting the wrong gift in the wrong guy's car, which happens right now. It's chaos. 
but we're doing it. We have, we have only made the one mistake and we figured it out before the guy drove off with a big bag of gifts when he was just there to pick up a, a small item. But really that's, that's it. Um, other than, like I said, we've lost a ton of employees. So we've had to modify our hours. We, for a lengthy period of time, we were closed on Sundays and Mondays because we realized rarely on that the demand for our product, while it was greatly diminished, so were the number of hours that we were competing with because people weren't going out and working in the workplace. I didn't have to stay up until six o'clock in order to accommodate those people who get off work at five. Most people weren't working. So we shrunk it up to 11 to three. And we found that even at three o'clock, our day was done. We filled web orders and sent the girls home. I still paid them the full 35. I was paying them 35 hours a week, even though they're only working 17 because of the PPP program and the requirement to maintain and fund an active payroll. So we did that through through the required months. It worked out fine. That was a help. You talk about how during these times you've had curbside pickups and online orders. I was wondering for someone who wants to go into the stores, what precautions have you taken due to COVID-19? We have our, our registers are already six feet apart. We have two phones. So one person is assigned, two different people are assigned to the phones. It doesn't mean that they don't grab a, a, a corded phone when two people are busy. Um, we have just hand wipes at, at every station of the three point of sale stations. We have hand sanitizer at all three stations, hand sanitizer at the door. Um, and then we put up the big acrylic visors that separate the staff from the customers. And when it gets busy in the store, um, I open the back door and I open the front door and we have our air exchange system is running full time. We turned it off from auto and it just runs full time with the common sense understanding that if you're going to get sick, it's going to be probably through the air because most people are pretty good about sanitizing their hands, about not touching their face. They're not licking their fingers at work. It's, it's, that's just not how you're getting it. It's, it's pretty evident. Um, you know, when I started off, I was thinking I had to sanitize groceries and I didn't even think about it. Now I go to my Costco and I put my stuff right into the fridge. That's not my concern. It's possible that you can get sick from that. But I think that what we recognize is keeping that air flowing, um, keeping the surfaces wiped down, the, the common touch areas like the, uh, the debit card, pin pads, things like that. Um, and, and, you know, most people use an Alaska Airlines credit card and that's become contactless too. They just wave it over our point of sale credit card machine. So it's uh, for their point, but they do still have the gifts that, you know, we scan and we handle them. Um, I think that probably the most important is just keep the air clean and keep the, the count down. We had the fire inspector in last week, asked him to come in and give us a, an assessment of the, the capacity that we have. He gave us um, a number of about 35 people, which we'll get to on a, a busy Saturday without a question. So that means we're going to have to have a COVID bouncer at the door, lock the door, ask people to limit their parties. It's nonsense. It's uh, it's not nonsense, I guess. It's practical, but it's um, it is as I as I put out a Facebook post last week. It's very unclassic toys. The thing that we need the most to survive is people coming in the store interacting with their friends, interacting with all of the people that they know in our store, seeing things they've never seen before, lingering, getting things gift wrapped, and then waiting for their gift wrap and looking around and finding a second round of gifts. That's how we make a living. We have a lot of good inventory and people are in there because they need a gift. Gift giving is a, is a big responsibility for a lot of people. They don't just scoff at it because it's a requirement. There's a lot of thoughtful people that want to provide a thoughtful gift. And so um, it's important that they get to take the time. It's not easy to do that through the window and it's not easy to do it uh, online and it's not easy to do it over the phone. And so the in-store presence is critical 
for the survival of our business. Um, but I, uh, quite frankly, we're doing more business this year than last year in the month of December. Our December days are exceeding what we did on the same days the year before, a Friday to Friday, like the 8th to the 6th. Um, because of the leap year, the Friday is on this or whatever, whatever yesterday was, the 7th was a Monday, the 7th of last year, I think it was the 9th. So you compared year over year um, for the last month and a half, but we're still down a profound number that nobody would consider this to be a good year if you were looking at the percentage that we've currently lost because of so much loss in the beginning of the year. Months where we were supposed to be doing $80,000 and we were doing 17. And um, we were considering that okay. But, you know, every single person in our business, every employee um, has been fully paid. The landlord's been fully paid. They gave us two months of full rent relief, which was $10,000 a month. They're probably one of the only landlords in the state that, that did that. Um, uh, so good for them. That's a significant give up for them to take care of uh, us. And I appreciate that. That actually leads me into my next question about the holiday season. Just last week, we went into another hunker down right before the holiday shopping season. How are you adjusting and what effect has this had on your business? The biggest impact is, is the number of phone calls, people asking if we're still open. And of course, we're still open. Everything is 100% absolutely normal. What we're adjusting to, our biggest challenge right now is, is we have been writing orders after orders after orders trying to get more product because we did not expect the surge in demand that we have and we're, our shelves are, at, currently our shelves are at about January levels where we're post Christmas. So we've got another $150,000 worth of orders flowing in coming through Seattle, trying to manage all that right now. We will probably lose, we will have some impact in the following few days as we get into the real heavy business days. Um, when we get into Fridays and Saturdays before Christmas, Geez, I mean, you could have, I've never, I've never done a head count because I'm usually got my head down scanning toys, but we can, you know, I mean, we can do $5,000 worth of business in an hour at Christmas time. That only comes with a stack of people standing in line at my registers buying product. We can't have that this year based on the requirements. And so how I string that out, how do I become the U.S. Postal Service where I maintain the demand without being a good supplier? Postal Service does it because they're the only game that can do that. I'm not. People have choices and I don't want people to have a bad experience because I didn't have the foresight to say, how am I going to work this out? How, and, and logistically, you will harm yourself by trying to come up with any solution. People say, maybe you can take appointments. That ain't going to work. I need to have doors wide open and then close the door and just there's going to be an element of disappointment if I get to where I've got 60 people in my store and I exceed that cap. It becomes uncomfortable personally for me. People will start pointing out, boy, it's awful crowded in here. People did that last weekend. They said, are you comfortable with the number where there was only 20 people in the store? Yeah, I'm, I'm comfortable with any number. I've been swimming in it for a couple of months. I have an N95 mask for myself and I work mostly out of the back room. I keep the doors open, the air exchange. It's cold in there. Employees are wearing sweaters. You know, it's, I mean, it's in the 40s and 50s and um, we keep it flowing. So it's sort of like an indoor outdoor experience. And I think that that's responsible not reckless, nothing freezes in there. The customers might be a little bit cold. And again, I mean, there's, you know, everybody that's in there chooses to be in there um, and nobody's forced to. We have every solution that there is um, for customers. So the, yeah, the hunker down had no impact other than it probably had a positive impact because people are spending less time in restaurants. They're spending less money in restaurants. They have a little bit more free cash, assuming that they're not out of work. There's plenty in the hospitality business that don't have any money to spend because they don't have a job, 
right? Um, the hotels and the, the restaurant workers and the rest of it. So we're working with a gal that runs some restaurants here in town and she's trying to put together a care package for anyone that's in the hospitality business issuing $25 gift cards that can be redeemed at uh, Classic Toys, Tidal Wave or Over the Rainbow Toys. So we're working on the details of that, but hopefully that'll come to fruition here pretty quick and then they'll get maybe $10,000 worth of relief gift cards out there to the people who are um, in the uh, industry. So there's there's programs like that. I've got two others that are in the works of two different organizations where they're, they're trying to help people who have been impacted by COVID. So I'm seeing that for the first time. Normally you don't have those types of programs um, uh, this time of year, it's, it's a help-based programs. It's heavy to pull it off. It's, a, it's an el another element of logistics for us because I don't want to do it if I'm going to have egg on my face. I don't want to be the guy that participated in a gift giving program and then screwed it up. So it's, uh, and it's not easy to pull those programs off at the last minute. Otherwise, uh, we've had three employees that have had COVID, but they're all back to work. They got each, each of them had um, contact with somebody outside of work had to go into quarantine. So they were they were independent from work when they got sick, went through the whole program and they're back. So I've got three frontline staff members. I also have two employees, one that works in the warehouse and one that's our former manager that are both willing to work, but they don't like the mask component. So they're working offsite, which works out great for me because I can have my manager come in in the morning from seven to 10, fill web orders, bring in all the stock, restock the shelves. So that's a critical job um, just fluffing up the store, making it look good. That's a change that we've never had or at least haven't had for 15 years where we have a team B in the event that team A were to get sick. I have a plan B, which is I would shut the door and we would, the, the, the two that don't wear masks, husband and wife, that he works the warehouse. He still does all the receiving. She still fills the store. She can fill all the web orders and we would salvage some element of business. I would expect it would be about, 10 to 20% of what we're doing now with in-store purchases. We'll be right back. Even though all of us at Atme have been working from home during the pandemic, we are still looking for youth to join our team. As a youth producer, you can conduct interviews like the one you're listening to right now, edit audio, record voiceover, help write scripts, and much more. And all of that is paid work. So if you're between the ages of 13 and 24, living in Alaska, and interested in joining ATME, go to alaskateenmedia.org join. You can also email us at news at Now, back to Daisy's interview with Ed Dodd. On a little bit of a more personal note, how does it feel to be a business owner in 2020? Well, Carrie and I are both getting tired. Um, it's it's a challenge. This is a business um, that's really good for young people. I don't think that we're taking on the challenges. Uh, I don't uh, don't thrive on the social media component of it. It's a critical part of a, a well-run business. Um, I, there's, you know, I just before before I talked to you, I was thinking about it this morning. If I were to ever sell classic toys would I miss it? Well, I miss, I really am a process guy. I like the process. I like refining things. I like improving things. I like looking at things that aren't working well and making them better. It doesn't mean I'm great at it. There's things that I'm critical of that I do on a day-to-day -day within classic toys that can always use improvement, um, changing the workflow in the store, 
getting new cordless barcode scanners was a huge improvement that I should have done 20 years ago. And I hadn't done it because I didn't want to spend the $200 on the scanners. That's dumb. That was a bad choice on my part. I did a really bad job with Playmobil this year and didn't order much Playmobil. So I'm, I'm fully aware of some of the things that I could be better at. But running the business from day to day during COVID um, with all of the new moving parts, it's not a cop out. It's, it just makes you tired. Um, and I'm sure that if you talk to any other small business owner, uh, they will tell you the same thing. You get up each morning and say, I don't know if the juice is worth the squeeze because I didn't get paid this year. I didn't make a dime. I'm fortunate. I'm a conservative operator. I saved my money. But the way that this business operates and probably a lot of business were a very seasonal based business, much like the tourist businesses that got hammered this summer. If we didn't, if we don't pull off Christmas, we will not have what we call the, the seeds to plant in January. We won't have $150,000 of working capital to go out and buy a new, new round of toys to get us through that very lean period that goes really from January all the way through to September. Those are lean months where it's basically, if you compare it to Broadway, it's all rehearsal with free admission. And the idea is, is that people get a flavor for it. They like what they're gonna see on the play and they wanna come and pay for admission at Christmas time. And so, you know, you put big things that, that you know they're not gonna buy in January through September, you put them out there and they pre-shop and they commit it in their mind, it's top of mind and say, I'm gonna go to Classic Toys and get that big stuffed moose at Christmas. Um, all of that is fun. The, the business is fun, keeping things, you know, exercising all of the, the tools that I have created. Um, I sort of laughed when the hunker down came and I said, yeah, that's not going to impact us that much. This second hunker down, it's not, and, and we're just going to go full throttle and see what this thing can do. And that's where we are. Things like weather, you've got to pay attention to the forecast. You know that rain today is going to impact people's desire to go out and shop. And if you get a bad storm a week before Christmas, it can devastate your entire um, season because that final week is our entire year based on revenue. When they talk about Black Friday being, you know, the day after Thanksgiving, that's always been the the Friday that where most retailers move from accounting terms, they move from the red, meaning that they've lost money throughout the year to become profitable. And that's the accounting term which when you go into the black, you become profitable. That probably won't happen for us at all this year. We're going to be in the red full year, but at least we get a little bit closer to making up ground pretty quickly. You know, if you can exceed last year's sales in December by 20% day over day, you can make up a lot of that loss. So anyways, I feel fortunate that our business people, you know, they tend to go towards the comfort space, especially when it comes to children. Things are bad in the world. You've got an election year. People don't like the politics. They don't like a pandemic. They try and comfort their kids with purchases of toys. And so we always benefit from um, that downturn in an economy. If you have a stock market crash, it seems that people try and protect their kids through gift giving. Um, so we don't suffer as much as most businesses do. Have you received any aid from the state or federal government to offset the challenges of COVID-19? Yes, we received the $10,000 EIDL grant, which will now back out of the PPP loan. So we qualified for funds from the PPP loan. Um, I'm just finalizing that, but it looks like we'll get almost complete 100% um, forgiveness for that. So it will not convert into a loan. It will be a, in the form of a grant. Um, and that's pretty much what kept us alive. And, um, you know, I don't, I, I, I guess I certainly could have, um, I could have made it through without that. I would have just used personal funds to keep the business running if I thought that was a good idea. But I have plenty of friends in business and each one of us looks at this at our age, when you get to close to 60 or you're over 65, 
you look at it and say, you know, um, I have two decisions to make and there it's a business decision and an emotional decision because you built this business. It's your deal. It's, you know, it, you own it. It's important to you that it thrives. It's important to you. You're proud of the business you've run. But in January, I looked at it and said, I don't know if I don't want to sit this out. And can I sit and pay at $9,000 a month in rent in my store and $1,000 for our warehouse? A little bit different than that. But anyways, am I willing to just pay that rent or am I willing to walk away? Or do I want to continue to run this just to service all of the debt needs, pay all the employees, pay all the insurance, pay the rent and make nothing? Or do I want to just walk away and say, why would I beat myself up? Who's going to go to work every day? How many people decide that they're going to go to work for the next year and not get paid? And that's the decision that only the business owner is forced to make in the current situation. The employees all still need to work. They want to work. Now, they were, there was a lot of relief. I competed heavily with the federal government when they gave $600 additional per week for to people on unemployment. I couldn't get people to come back to work. They that you know they're suddenly making fifty thousand dollars a year, and we pay our employees pretty well. I think that we pay well above the industry standard because we know who those people are. We we cherry pick and we select the people that work for us, and we have really good employees that love working with us. And it's not just your me. Every person that's ever we've had a grand total up until this year, in the twenty two years I've owned the store, we've had a grand total of eighty six employees in twenty two years where typically we have eight to 10 employees on payroll any given week. So you consider the amount of turnover, it's extraordinary. We just don't lose that many staff. Almost every one of our previous employees no longer work for us because they've retired and moved out of state. You just don't get people that leave Classic Toys to take a different job, largely because we hire and recruit those people who aren't looking for a job, they just wanna work at Classic Toys. So I don't know if where I got off on that tangent and where your question was, but. And I think that probably answers the question in, in the long way. Um, we did receive the aid. I think it was necessary. Had I not gone after that aid, it would have made it easier to make a decision that says, I don't want to do this. Is there value in the business? Well, I know that this business is going to be stronger next year than it was this year, but I think it's going to be stronger next year than any previous year. I think that there's been a big push, people recognizing the need to support local businesses if they want local businesses. It doesn't mean that it's essential. Um, you know, People make choices with their dollars. And, um, Amazon has a fantastic model. It's really easy to buy things from them, but it'll be unfortunate when the small local mom and pops are gone. It's you, you can't say it as if it's a threat. You just have to sort of point out that it's not really um, going to be fun when you can't go over to Classic Toys and purchase a toy. Um, cost comparison doesn't hold up. Amazon has modeled themselves into a super weapon. They're charging more. They've got algorithms that say when the product becomes scarce, you charge more. The more scarce it becomes, the more expensive it will be. Most of their product is currently more expensive. That's why people are are driving into our store right now saying, do you have, and the things we have, you hear consistently, wow, your price is cheaper than Amazon. And I laugh and say, I, I tell you what, I'm positive I could put a $100 bill on my website, put it on sale for $80 and people would still say, I think I can get it cheaper on Amazon. It's just the mindset. And again, I'm, I, I don't compete with Amazon, I compete with myself and I compete with the other models. There isn't a whole lot of competition in this town for small mom and pop toy business or any other small mom and pop business. Um, but man, it's tough for all of those mom and pops to, to stay in the game right now. And so that's where people I think are recognizing it and, and want to support this. And you hear it day in and day out. I'm just here to I, I'll buy whatever I can from you and keep you going. That's important. And next year, I think everybody's gonna have a good year. I don't think that we're going to have to deal with this. I don't think we'll be wearing masks next Christmas.
And I think that'll be big for everybody in the industry, particularly in the restaurant business where they really need people to be able to come and dine in. But we, we have the same thing. We really need people in our store. Do you feel like you have the support from the community and the government to make sure you get through this pandemic? Oh, I'll, we'll get through the pandemic. I mean, our, our experience right now is, is that it, uh, and, unless they physically tell us we have to close our store, um, we're fine. We have the hybrid solution with the website. I don't, um, I don't need any more help from the government. I'm self-sufficient. I'll take care of myself. Um, you know, I would rather see the money directed towards those guys that really need the financial help. So even cut me out of that and give it to the restaurant guys that are being profoundly impacted or the hotels and the, and the people that were impacted by the tourist trade, all of that, um, reserve the funds for that. And I'll, I'll sit on the wayside and, and keep um, running my business because it's, it seems to be working for us. Piggybacking off of that, how can the community support your business during this difficult time? Oh, they're doing it. They, they just come in and shop. Uh, there's no question that people are, are, driving themselves towards making sure that they support local, you know, and it's, it's all familiar faces. So they've always been supporters of the toy store. Um, like I said, it's been there for 35 years and they all own it. It's, it's a second generation now, of, you know, there's grandmas coming in saying, I used to bring my daughter in here now I'm shopping for her kids. And that started about five years ago. So you can see that logical progression of generations that the kids who grew up from 1985, maybe they were five years old in 1990 and they have memories and they, we haven't changed much um, in the store. They come in and say, oh, I love these wooden bins all with these plastic animals. And that's when, you know, it's no longer, I'm not the owner, I'm just the operator. The owner is is the ex pre previous experience, the things that the kids remember that, that are now adults bring their kids in here and they say, oh, you know, when I was a kid, I used to come over here and I loved this part. There was an adult guy in the other day saying, I remember that corner over there had the particular Lego piece that I really wanted and I got it under the tree, so. It's hard, you know, I mean, I'm not going out to restaurants because they're closed. I'm not going out to restaurants even to, to do pickup because largely because I'm busy. I just come home and eat dinner at night, go to sleep and start over again the next day. So I'm not probably a good example, but I think that um, I don't know. I think the restaurant business is a unique situation. I think that if they have even a 10%, 20% loss, it makes it um, below marginal. Um, and so I don't know how they're going to pull that off. So anyways, that's where I think that the, the support needs to go. That's the last question I had. Is there anything else you would like to add? We're lucky. We're, you know, we didn't do well the first half of the year. We're trying to recover from it. This is not going to be a good year by any standard. As I say, if I came in and those two spaces that I rent, Bay 7 and Bay 8, if they were empty, and I came to the landlord and said, here's my business model. Here's, how, here's the business I'm going to run they wouldn't rent me the space. They would say, well, you don't make enough revenue to justify and we don't want to do the improvements to your space because we're gonna, you're going to be out of business in six months. So that's a fair way of, of looking at the business model and saying, what have you done? Well, we've got a website. We've done the things that we think we need to do and it'll survive. It's, it's perfectly fine. I mean, we're, we're on the road to recovery. As long as we don't get truly shut down, we just have to get through the three weeks of Christmas Revenue stays strong. Our product arrives. We get enough product to fill the doors. We bring it in the back and the customers take it out the front. And as long as we can maintain a balance where we're not fully depleted of inventory, public's doing their part. They're spending money in our store. And, and so we'll be there again in January. Yeah, that's really all I had. Thank you so much for taking the time to let me interview you. And I'm happy that your business has been doing so well during this unsteady time. Yep, hang on a second. I'm going to show you something. It's our latest addition to Classic Toys. Let me go get her. It's our little doggy. Come here, Judy. Come here. Where is she? 
There she is. This is our little puppy Denali. Aww. Oh my gosh. <laughs> there, look. She's nine weeks old. It's like having oh, an infant. Yeah, she's a little Havanese. She's nine weeks old and now she's getting into all of my papers. I have my office blocked off and she's carrying around that side. <laughs> That's so sweet. I'm so happy that you guys have a little dog. It's so yeah, her name is Denali and we're looking to get another boy dog named Benson. So that's the crossroads of the toy store. So we'll have a Benson oh. and Denali. Oh my God, that's so cute. Yeah. That's such a cute idea. Here she goes. Anyway, just wanted to show you because that's a happy part of our life right now. That was APNE senior producer Daisy Carter speaking with Ed Dodd, owner of Classic Toys. You've been listening to Podcast in Place, Youth Stories from Quarantine from Alaska Teen Media Institute. Our show's theme music was composed by Devin Schreckengoss with additional music by Kendrick Whiteman. Stay tuned for more stories from quarantined youth. You can find these stories at alaskateenmedia.org where we have included resources for youth during quarantine in partnership with the State of Alaska Division of Behavioral Health. Alaska Teen Media Institute is based in Anchorage, Alaska. We would like to acknowledge the Denina people whose land we work on. Many thanks to supporters of our podcast, including John O'Hare and James McCoy. The views expressed in this program do not necessarily represent the views of our sponsors. Thanks to our listeners who contribute to our programs and help us leverage additional funds and grants. If you'd like to support Youth Voices in Alaska and help keep our podcast going, you can support us through Patreon. Patreon is a membership platform that makes it easy for you to support creative endeavors like at me. Just go to patreon.com slash alaskateenmedia. You can also help out by subscribing to, rating, or writing a review for our series on Apple Podcasts. Every little bit helps us get our stories out there. And don't forget to check out our website, alaskateenmedia.org. There you can learn more about what our organization does, discover more of youth-produced content, and find out how to get involved. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for all sorts of updates. For Alaska Team Media Institute, I'm Ryan Danigal. Thanks for listening. Stay safe out there. We'll get through this together.